very familiar spot, Hebrews chapter 12, if you would, Hebrews chapter 12, I did not, I did not mention them during the announcements, but you probably noticed the Williams are here this morning, and uh, they get to be with us all day today, Brother Jeff is going to preach for us, not today, but we have a, I think we have a spot in September just for him, so um, we're going to have him, he will be preaching for us, he will get to get a chance, uh, you'll get to hopefully relax a little bit with them this evening, they'll be with us, so um, hopefully uh, you get a chance, and uh, Debbie will definitely be singing tonight, I think, I think she would love to, and uh, so... I get to put her on the spot. Now, Pastor Legault always put her on the spot. I thought I should keep that one rolling just for you, all right? Uh, so she'll probably sing something tonight. But uh, once again, uh, they're with us, our wonderful missionaries to New Zealand. We love them, and uh, they're only here shortly. Uh, their daughter is getting married here in October, and so they're going to be here briefly, pick up some meetings, and then they're going to head out. So is that right, October? Did I get the wrong date? Okay, all right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we'll pick up verse number 1. And uh, usually very familiar to most that are probably in the room, but uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. And we'll stop right there. I know there's more on chastening, but I'm not preaching on chastening this morning. Uh, as you look through the passage, you find some things there that uh, ultimately the passage itself is really about running our race, but running it cleanly. Uh, you notice how many times he references the idea of sin or chastening because we're not doing things right. Uh, you look at verse number one, you've got weights, which aren't necessarily sins, uh, but they weigh us down and they slow us down, so we've got to lay them aside, and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Uh, verse number four, you have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. He's trying to get you to remove sin from your life. He's trying to get you to run this clean race. Uh, he says, of course, in verse number five, you have chastening and rebuke. Uh, verse number six, you've got chastening and scourging. Verse number 7, you've got chastening. Verse number 8, you've got chastisement. Of course, all of these are because you didn't resist sin, striving against it, right? Uh, it's the, that's the reaction. That is the answer. That is the effect of what you've done. And so the whole passage really is about this idea of getting victory and not running this race where you keep getting weighed down or slowed down or hindered by having to go get chastised. Uh, right? The idea is make it clean, run pure, don't have the issues. And so trying to get that, and it ultimately depends on one thing and one thing alone. Say so that sounds far too easy. Uh, it sounds like it depends on what your focus is. Uh, oftentimes, I, you know, we deal with people counseling and talking to people and problems. And uh, you grow up, some of you grew up in some rough homes. Uh, you grew up in, in, you saw your parents and maybe you're a guy in here like I am. And, and your answer is, well, I don't want to be like my dad in this area. My dad, had, my dad had a temper. Most of you knew my dad and most of you know my dad had a temper. You know what I don't want? I don't want to live like that. Right? I don't want to have an anger problem. Right? Have no dealings with an angry man and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Some of you grew up in homes where it was an alcoholic's home and you looked at your life and you said, I don't want to be like that. 
I don't want to grow up in a drunkard's home. I don't want my kids to have to deal with an abusive alcoholic as a father. Uh, you know, some of you grew up around smoking and drinking and drugs and all that. Stuff, and you looked at that life and you went, I don't want that life for my kids. I don't want that life, so I'm going to get rid of some things. But you know what some people do? Some people focus so much on, I am not going to be whatever it is that they don't want to be. And they end up right in the spot where they don't want to be. So what was the problem? All they did was focus on what they didn't want. And the problem with that is what you focus on is what you will be. The focus and the mo and all those things as you constantly think and look and it turns you into what it is you focus on. The direction that you go ends in the spot where you look. The goal is what you're focused on and what you want to be. If you go ahead and Take the idea that, hey, I don't want to be this. Okay, all right, I don't want to be angry. Well, what do I want to be? It's easy for us to go, I don't want to be these things, but we don't think about, hey, what do I want to be like? How do I want people to see me? How do I want to interact with other people? And you can sit back and you can go ahead and just say, well, you know, it's just the way that I was raised. That's the excuse. The excuse is, well, it's just how I was raised. It's just, you know, I was brought up that way. It's just my generation. It's just this. It's just that. That's not how it works. You have a choice. You decide how you're going to be. And after Jesus Christ saved you, you really got a choice. You got, you got the most liberty you will ever have in this life when Jesus Christ saved your soul. He gave you liberty. So you get to choose. You get to choose to not be in bondage to the things that you shouldn't have and that you don't want to have. You can go ahead and make a change. The problem is you stay focused on what you don't want to be. You focus on your problems. You focus on the shortcomings. You focus on all the issues instead of turning and looking at the things that will pull you out of that idea. You have to change your focus. You have to, and the Lord purposely puts, right, verse number two, looking Onto Jesus. He starts off the passage going, okay, change what you look at. We've got weights. We've all got weights. We've all got sins. We've all have problems. What sets us apart? What puts somebody into a better level? What puts somebody in victory? It is certainly not their goodness. Do you think you and I get victory in our lives because we've been better? We just turned over a new leaf? That's the world's mentality. Well, I got better because I got better because I'm so great. No, that's not it. It's not in our greatness. It's not in our strength. It's not in our will. It's not in our wisdom. None of those things help us. It is a change of focus to go ahead and help us run a cleaner race. You say, does anybody run a perfect race? Only Jesus Christ. All right? We don't run a clean race. We don't run it perfect. But it ought to be as clean as we can get it. And doing so, you're going to have to change what you look at. Figure out what you don't want to be. Well, I don't want to be like the rest of the world. I don't want to be like this. Okay, who do you want to be like? Well, the Christian is supposed to want to be like well, Christ, right? He's supposed to look like Jesus at the end of the day. At the end of this life, you and I are going to be conformed to the image of His Son. I hope the Lord doesn't have to do as much work today as He did the day that He saved you. I hope you're doing some things in this life. Go ahead and make His job easier to conform you to the image of His dear Son. All right, that's what we're going for. And so this focus, you say, what do we got to do? Well, we better start putting some things in focus. Get a clear look at what we need to see so that we can become what we ought to be in this race. And so let's have a word of prayer. Uh, I've, got, I've got a few points and a whole lot of sub points. So uh, this may turn into a two-part message, amen, uh, or three or six. I don't know. Um, I don't think we'll go that far. But uh, let's have a word of prayer and... Uh, we will see what the Word of God says. Lord, I do thank you. You are so merciful. I am so glad that we can come into church and we can go ahead and meet freely in a country, Lord, and go ahead and open a Bible and we can preach and there's nobody trying to stop us and there's nobody trying to keep us out. Lord, I know there's plenty of people who would love to stop some things like this, but Lord, you're still merciful to us and gracious and allow us to meet and I pray that you would. Also be merciful and gracious to us and show up this morning and meet with us and talk with us and speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that people would be willing to listen and willing to understand and willing to receive what you want them to 
get this morning. I pray you'd give me wisdom, Lord. I, I feel like, uh, Lord, my own focus is off, just trying to stay focused on what you want me to say today. So, Father, I do pray you'd eliminate all distractions and give us wisdom, Lord, as we look at the Word of God today. Father, I pray that Jesus Christ would be honored and glorified, that he would be high and lifted up, that he would draw all men unto himself. Lord, that he would have the ability, Lord, and the opportunity to draw us close to him. And once again, Father, I do pray if someone is lost that has walked in the doors of this building today, that Jesus Christ would be their Savior before the day is done. Lord, we pray that once again you'd come back soon. Father, we, we would love to hear a trumpet sound today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want you to see here is, uh, you say, what do I have to focus? Well, uh, there's certain areas of our life we have to utilize to bring things into focus. And the first is our eyes. He starts it off, right, looking onto Jesus. Uh, you say, well, I can't really see Jesus. You know what I mean? Uh, he wants you to look at the life of Jesus Christ. He wants you to take note of who he is. Uh, the first thing you want to see, uh, the eyes, ultimately, uh, they give you focus ultimately to what the goal is. You're focusing, the eyes are supposed to look all the way down the course and see where your goal is going to be. That's what the eyes are looking to. And the first thing he tells you to, to, to do is he says looking. And you're looking onto the example, looking onto Jesus. He's the example. The example is really plain throughout the scriptures. Uh, you you want to take some note of who Jesus was as a man. He ran a race. He says, I, he's, he's going to go ahead and he's going to finish his course. He's going to the cross and his statement is, it is finished. What? The job, all things. I did always those things that pleased the Father. The example of Jesus Christ is one of great humility. We find that right, Philippians chapter 2. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You say, well, how do I know to be humble? Follow your example. Look at him. Look at his life. Well, how was he humble? What things did he do? How can I be like him? You're reading through the Gospels and you find great things that he does. You say, well, you know, uh, you, you know you're going to be like Jesus, so you're going to you know, feed 5,000. No, that's not what we're talking about. But you know what he was that day when he fed those 5,000? He looked over the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Boy, could you be compassionate? Well, I don't know. If I'm looking onto Jesus, you realize if you're compassionate, you'll have a whole lot of mercy on people. Isn't he merciful? Wasn't Jesus Christ so merciful in his life? He had mercy on... He had the Pharisees looking at him, going, are you really going to heal that guy? And he goes, yeah, just stretch out your hand. He goes ahead and has mercy, knowing everybody else is going to hate him for it. He doesn't mind. He's gracious. He bestows gifts when you don't even deserve them. He's gracious to us. Start looking at the life of Jesus Christ. And he, he was so good. <laughs> he was so good to people that a woman with an issue of blood can come up behind him, crawling on the ground, pushing through the press to grab the hem of his garment, and virtue goes out of him and heals her. That's how good he was. That's how merciful and gracious he was. He was better to people on accident than most of us are on purpose. That's how good he was. You say, yeah, but I can't be like Jesus. Aren't you supposed to be? Isn't that the goal? You say, well, I don't meet the goal. None of us meet the goal. That doesn't mean we don't strive for it. Right? We're looking at him. We're going, hey, you know, Jesus Christ, he was forgiving. Wow. Right, that woman caught in adultery in the very act. They bring her in and they throw her down and you're going to condemn her, right? And Jesus just stoops down on the ground and he writes. Say, what did he write? We don't know. Probably the law, but we don't know. And everybody walks away. Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. There's only one person in the, in the place that doesn't have sin. And he's the one going, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He got that, that man, right? They ripped the roof off. 
That man sick of the pole, they drop him down in there. He looks at that, at that man and he says, thy sins be forgiven thee. Everybody looks at him like, wait a minute. Who can forgive sins? He goes, the same one that's about to tell him to get up off the bed. <laughs> Lifts him up, raises him up. You say, what is he? He's a forgiving God. Jesus Christ was forgiving. He's so forgiving, they're crucified. And Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You start looking at the life, you start examining the example, and you know what you'll find? You and I are not very good. We are not very holy. We are not very righteous. We are not, you know, he even gets baptized to fulfill righteousness. Jesus doesn't need to get baptized. He's Jesus. So why does he get baptized? He told John to fulfill all righteousness. Because I'm a Jew, and this is a Jewish baptism, so I'm going to go ahead and get baptized, because it's right. He was so right, he never could get anything wrong just how he is say what's your goal my goal is him well if my goal is him I better look at him and see how he does it it's hard to follow somebody when you don't watch them you ever you ever deal we had uh, we had uh, some friends around here and uh, yesterday we went up to the zoo and we were kind of all breaking up, and we lost track of a couple of people. We we're like calling, hey, where'd you go, right? All these things. And we're, you say, what happened? We weren't watching them. We were looking at all the stuff at the zoo. And you say, what happened? I just lost them. They lost us. They lost sight of us. We had moved ahead. They were looking at something. None of us were paying attention to each other. We're all adults. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like we lost children or anything. Uh, you know, we're adults. And uh, we say, what happened? We lost eyesight. We couldn't see him. What's the problem? You lose eyesight, you know what you won't be? You won't be like him. That's why the admonition is looking on to Jesus. You got the example that you're supposed to keep your eyes on, but you've also got the exile that you got to keep your eyes on. Say, what is that? Look onto the fields, John chapter 4. Verse number 35, right? Look onto the fields, for they are white already onto harvest. Those folks are lost in sin and they need a Savior. And he looks over that field and he's going, the field is the world, Matthew chapter 4. The field is the world and those things that are planted. I'm sorry, Matthew, Matthew 13. Got the wrong chapter there. Uh, the field is the world and all the things planted are people. And he looks out and he says, you know what? You're looking at a world and you know what there is? There's things that are white ready to harvest. You know what we don't do? We don't look for the opportunity. We don't look. We don't pay any attention. We're too busy looking at us. What do I have to get done? I had the, uh, yesterday, I, I did a lot of stuff yesterday. Yesterday I, I stopped into Walmart. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't really wanting to take my time. Amen. But we did hot dogs for today, you know, and we're buying Hoffman's. Amen. Uh, not one not one bar ass or weird, gross hot dog. All right, we're all Hoffmans. Praise Jesus. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm standing there, and I hopped in line, you know, tax exempt, everything else. So I got to hop into line, and I got to wait, right? Which, you know how much we love to wait, right? So I'm standing there. The woman in front of me, uh, she's, she, she's missing a bag of Hoffmans, and she notices my pile of Hoffmans, right? And she looks over, and she goes, did they restock? I said, uh, I'm looking at her like she's crazy. There were like a thousand bags in the bin that I grabbed hot dogs from. I'm like, uh, I mean, there were a ton of them back there. She goes, when did you get them? I said, like five minutes ago. I grabbed them. I walked up here. I don't know. A couple minutes. She's like, where? You know, so I tell her. So she goes, can I go back? Because the woman's going to close. She's, I'm her last customer that she's going to check out. And this woman goes, can I go back there and get a bag of hot dogs and come all the way back up here? And I'm like, sure, right? We're all super excited about that. And the girl working, she said, yeah, you can go, you can go. And I said, okay, yeah, it's fine. And I get, I get talking to this girl who's just working the, talking about hot dogs at first, and then what do you, and then this tax exempt thing, and why do you do that? I'm the pastor of the church. And she goes to church regularly all the way out in North Syracuse. And she lives over here. And she went to a church that wasn't so friendly, all right? If she comes tonight, please be friendly, all right? 
be friendly to her. Uh, she seems super nice. And we talked and everything. You say, what, what did you not want? I didn't want to stand there. Uh, and Lord goes, you're going to stand there. And I said, I really don't want to be nice. I want to tell the woman, check out, put your stuff in the car, go back and get your own bag of Hoffman's so that I can get out of here. Right? That's what I want to do. Or was like, no, be nice. I said, I'm working on this message, right? <laughs> Gotta be nice. Follow the example. Be nice, right? And so she goes back, and then by the time everything's done, that girl wants to come visit the church tonight. Well, she got a church track. We talked. Sounds like she might be saved. I couldn't really. She was getting off of work. I didn't want to, you know, all the weirdness. So you're kind of trying to walk softly and move it through and see if she'll, she'll come. And uh, I don't know, she's probably 18 to 23 area, somewhere in there. And uh, hopefully she comes tonight. You say, well, what was the problem? I didn't want to take time. I have things to get done. Right? And the Lord drew my focus over. And I said, yes, sir. Say, why? Because we often don't. We often don't. I'm not just talking to you. That's me. I often don't. I, you're, you're focused on what I need to get done. And the Lord's going, pick up your head. <laughs> there, look onto the, there's all these people. And not all of them are ready. But boy, there's enough. There must be enough. Say, why? Because he hadn't sounded a trumpet yet. So we got enough that are white already on the heart. They're ready to go and we can go and we've got an opportunity. You know, if your goal is to win souls, wasn't that Jesus' goal? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, that was his goal. His entire life was geared to doing one job at the very end. Death, burial, resurrection. Seal the payment and the victory for everybody who would ever want it. Our goal should be no less than his goal. Say, but I fail at that, don't we all? But boy, how much more could we succeed if we stay on focus? Pray for a man. I, uh, I'm not finishing this this morning. Pray for a man. His name's Tommy. I went to go see him, and I was going to mention him on, on Wednesday, and I forgot. Uh, pray for him. I haven't gotten to see him a second time. He has uh, swelling on his brain, uh, lost. He's a friend of a friend. <laughs> or he's the brother of a friend, actually. And Brother Netterville and I went up on Tuesday. We went to the hospital in Rochester. We drove the hour and a half, right? Get down into Strong and we get up. You know, you go through security, you do all the things. We get up there. We missed him by five minutes. He's gone down to go get a procedure. He's going to come back. He'll be, you know, an hour or so, they said. Okay. I'll wait. I'll wait. I mean, I drove an hour plus to get here. I might as well wait an hour before I drive my hour back and have no idea what he's going to be like when he comes back from a procedure. Say, so what'd you do? We waited. Then we went up. They, they let us know we, we got to wait for him. And he comes in. I get to talk with him. He can't respond very well. He can't talk. The swelling has made it so he can't talk can't move his arms much he could twitch but he couldn't really like I couldn't have him squeeze my hand like I normally would so I had to go by blinks I had to have blink once for no and twice for yes that's the only way he could communicate so what'd you do I already knew he knew the gospel his sister and his brother-in-law have been witnessing to him and witnessing to him and he's been I was told he was very receptive to hear but his wife isn't as receptive and so I'm, I'm talking to him, and I believe he trusted Christ as his Savior. You say, do you know that? No, but I don't know that when someone prays out loud. Right? 
But man, he was real conscious of his blinks. I mean, he's staring focused at me and I could see him just trying to focus on just blinking twice. Just blink twice. And I was watching him over and over again. Brother Netterville said, man, he looked like he was focused and just, and she said that, you know, he's been able to respond to their commands and what they're telling him. The nurse told him that. Couldn't tell him much on his other condition. We didn't want to ask and get into all sorts of other things. But she, uh, she said he's been able to do some things that we tell him. So he is cognitive. So you say, did he get saved? I believe he is. You say, how do you know? Do you know that? I don't, I don't know that. I'd like to go back and see him again. He's going to be in there for a little while. I'm hoping to get back early this week. You know what I found out? I found out that his other sister has been bringing his wife to the hospital. Now, the wife, she's kind of take it or leave it sounding, but the sister hates everything about it. I have no idea why they weren't there. There was an extra cell phone on a windowsill. There was his cell phone, I think, on the table next to his bed. There were fresh-baked cookies. There were all sorts of things in the room. And if he went down to a procedure, normally you, they'd be right back. They'd be following him or they would have waited in the room. I have no idea. But if I would have waited and come back another day, I have no idea if I'd get that opening. Say, so what are you trying to do? Just trying to get you to see there are some opportunities worth waiting for. And it's okay to take the time because Jesus Christ took 33 years to make sure he got his job done. I got to keep going. In Titus chapter 2, he reminds us to looking for that, verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The everlasting promise is what you ought to be looking at. Keep your eyes on the prize. You say, what is that? The goal of eternal life that you and I have gained because Jesus Christ saved us. You're looking up at that thing. You know what you're thinking? One day, I don't have to deal with this anymore. I don't have to deal with my failures. I don't have to deal with my shortcomings. I don't have to be thinking about how terrible my race has gone today. I can go ahead and go, hey, you know what? One day, he's going to sound a trumpet. I'm out of here. One day, the hope is that Jesus Christ is going to sound a trumpet. We're going to hear that shout. We're going to hear, come up, Heather. We're going to go up, and we don't have to worry about a thing anymore. <laughs> that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The promise of God that you and I have our sins forgiven. You know, some days we get, we get down and we get discouraged, and we get, we're looking at the things of this life, and we're caring about the things in this life, and the Lord says, hey, look up. Why? For your redemption draweth nigh. We're getting close. And the more you look around down here, you know, you realize real quick, we can't have that much longer, right? And well, Paul said that. Yeah, that's the scoffers. Come on. You get looking around. I, I can't imagine how much worse it could get. I'm sure it could. Well, you talk about looking at the days of Lot and of Noah. That's what, that's what we're getting into everywhere. And you're looking around and you're looking around. You know what you're thinking? Hey, start looking up. If you haven't been looking up, look up. The eternal promise is about to go ahead and get taken care of. Which, by the way, you ought to be able to look to the fields because of it. And it ought to make you strive to be more like your example. When you start thinking about that that day he's going to call you up, that, you start also thinking about the day he's going to you know, go ahead and put all that stuff through the fire and try every man of what sort it is. And you find out what you've done. You know what, you know what that makes you do? It makes you go, hey, maybe I ought to be a little cleaner on this race because I'm going to meet the Savior real soon. It does some great things. If your eyes are in the right place, you know what you'll be? You'll be a great example to others. Just like Jesus. That's be followers of me as I am of Christ. Paul's statement. Well, we're not very, you know, we're not very clean. We're not very perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. Not even close. He writes a chapter in Romans that is all about how terrible he is. Right? Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
Right? He stands there and goes, the things that I do, I, that I would, I do not. And the things that I would not, that do I. He's just like you. He's got a struggle just like you. He's got the fight just like you. He's got flesh just like you. It's that, hey, when I'm doing it right, follow me. And when I'm not doing it right, don't do that. You know Jesus Christ, just you ought to be able to know him too. You ought to be able to know when someone's not, well, hey, they're doing that right over there. They didn't do that right. I won't do that. But it's an encouragement when you see others do right. It's a great encouragement. We ought to be looking with the eyes at our example, the exiled, the everlasting promise of his coming. And then also, Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You've got to focus your eyes, but you've got to focus your thoughts. It's not just what you're looking at, it's that you've got to actually consider what you're looking at. You've got to consider some things. You've got to think about some things. You realize the thoughts that you have are the things, when you get those into focus, the thoughts give you focus so that you can go ahead and stay strong instead of being weary in well-doing and fainting in the day of adversity. Isn't that what he said? End of the verse. Think about him. Why? Consider him. Why? Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. What gives me strength? My thought life gives me strength. Thinking of Him gives me strength. We ought to be thinking of Jesus Christ, considering Him. You know, your thoughts ought to be about His techniques. Jesus' techniques. You say, what does that mean? How did He deal with people? How did He deal with situations? What did He do? I mean, right? We get to this... This is not hard, right? We use it all the time. Matthew 4, Luke 4, right? The temptation of Jesus Christ. The devil shows up. All points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Well, how did he do that? His technique was grab a Bible and get an answer, right? Grab the Bible, get an answer. You can beat the devil. You can beat the temptation by taking a way of escape, and that escape is found in the Word of God. The technique is, hey, you can do it. You can get victory. Jesus Christ has it. How did he deal when he was in hunger? How did he deal when he was tempted? How did he deal when he was weary? How did he deal with things when he had to suffer wrongfully? I mean, that's what we're getting to right here. Such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Well, I don't deserve what he didn't deserve. You start considering and thinking about, well, how did he suffer? How did he suffer? How did they do? Well, how did he respond to the sufferings? You know what Jesus knew? The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed after. It's it's a mindset. It's a look. How did he handle with God's will? Well, in a garden, he resigned his to the Father's. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Well, I'm having this struggle. You're having a struggle with God. Stop it. (laughs) Right? Stop struggling. Do it His way. Why? Because then you do always those things that please the Father like Jesus did. Our focus needs, our thoughts need to be, well, how how do I accomplish what I'm being at? I know the goal is that. How do I get there? Most people don't think of, how do I get to my goal? They just go, that's the goal. Could you imagine planning your trip and going ahead and just being like, well, I want to make it there, so uh, I'm just going to get in the car. We're just going to drive whatever road we get on. And it doesn't matter if it's north, south, east, or west, and it doesn't matter where my destination necessarily is. I'm just going to kind of whatever. It takes you forever to get there, if you ever get there, right? 
well, then you better figure out the, the right way to go. How did Jesus accomplish what he accomplished? How did Jesus Christ, what things did he do to go ahead and ensure that victory was the end goal and he got that victory? There's principles that he uses. You read, you read through the Gospels, you find the way that he's teaching people and how he does those things. And the practical applications of the things that he gives them are so easy to get. But do we do them? So many times we know the answer and we don't do the answer. God gives it to us and we go, yeah. And if somebody reminds us of the verse, you get the verse and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, now I know what I should do. And it's like you already knew what you should do. Most of us know exactly what we should do. We just don't execute. We know the right answer. We've got all the Bible. We've got it all piled in. And then we go, yeah, but I don't know what to do with it. You must apply it. Jesus Christ not only knew it, he applied it. The technique was find out what God wants and do that. And some days it is just doing the right thing right now and you don't know how the last part's going to be. You know, even at the end of Jesus Christ's life, he's there in the garden and you know what he's still doing? He's still finding out if they can do something different. Isn't that incredible? Maybe I'm strange. But if he's there and he's asking, you think he's asking just no real purpose in asking? I mean, we might as well just ask the question, hey, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Is it just words? I don't think Jesus Christ prayed that way. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to say this, that way everybody else, when they get into some trouble, they can you know, do the same thing. I think he's going, hey, can we find another option? Have we exhausted? Is this really the plan? I don't want to become sin for all of mankind. I don't want to do that. Do we have another option? Say, well, I mean, could I ever ask God? That? Of course. But be ready just like Jesus Christ was to resign to the will of the Father. To go ahead and surrender and go, yeah. I know what God's will is. I'll do it. Some days that's the hardest thing to do. Even when you know how amazing he is. Philippians chapter 4, you all know the verse. Verse number 8, right? He tells us whatsoever things are True, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, in generalities, you can go ahead and, uh, you know, you can say, well, you know, that could be anything, really. And uh, the truth is, that's a great reference to the Bible. I know it's not the only reference. Jesus Christ himself is all those things. Uh, but the written word of God is very muchly those things. What, what can you find that you can hold on to that is tangible, that is actually virtuous? Outside of a Bible, I don't really think of anything. What can you hold that's tangible, that's pure, and that is also lovely? What can you hold in your hands that you know is the truth in a world full of lies? Well, it's simply the Bible, the truth. You know what you need to think on? You need to think on the truth. You need to think on the Bible. You know what that'll do? That'll clear up a whole lot of issues. That's why, uh, of course, Psalm chapter 1, most of you have it memorized, right? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate. Think. Focus. Day and night. All day long. You know what he does? He thinks about what God says. What would God want me to do? What, what can I do the way that God wants me to do it? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The thought process. Get things changed. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. 
The Word of God coming in and cleansing and fixing and helping and understanding. You see, if we start focusing on that, say, how do I know what to do? You follow Him. Well, how do I know? You won't know if you don't read His commands. Our focus and our thoughts, you know, oftentimes uh, people go, well, how long do you study on a message? And the answer is, I have no idea. Because I'll get a concept and it'll kick around back there in the back of my brain for forever. Then it'll come out and I'll write something down and then it'll go back in my brain and I won't really sit there. But you know what it is? It's constantly flow. I have six, seven, eight, ten, twelve messages sometimes in my brain all at the same time trying to, and I'm getting all these little pieces and the Lord's bringing things to me. So how long do you work on one? I have no idea. Brother Jeff's laughing. I have no idea. You say, why? Because that's, that's just, the Lord, if you meditate on it, those pieces come out. And the Lord will bring them out. But if you're not thinking about it, if you're not focusing on what God has to say about what you're doing, you will never do what God told you to do. Because you don't really know what He told you to do. Our focus must be upon the Word of God in order for us to stay strong in this life. Could you imagine being weary in well-doing and you're doing right and you're doing right and you're doing right and you never picked up a Bible? You get tired out real quick. You get tired real quick. And you get tired of doing the right things because you have no encouragement that when someone does right, God can bless and when someone, you read through the scriptures, you know what you find? Over and over, God blesses his words more than anything else. A lost man doing what God says gets more blessing than a saved man who won't. Say, so why? Because God has to bless his word. A lost man that puts in principle the things that God says about his finances will be blessed in his finances. Say, so will he get heaven? No. Without Jesus Christ, he won't get heaven. But the Christian who doesn't pay any attention to what God says about the finances won't be blessed in his finances. He just won't be. Say, why? Because he's not doing it God's way. Say, well, I don't know what to do with that. Read about it. Go ahead and read Proverbs. You'll get more on, on finances than you could ever possibly instill probably into your life without it. Uh, there's, the wisdom of it is so simple at times. But people just don't do it. And then they go, well, I don't know why I don't have this. Well, because you don't want to. And then you go, well, God's probably being bad to me. God's blessing so-and-so and I'm not getting because God doesn't love me. Well, that's not true because that's not in the Word of God. See, it'll start messing with you and you will lose. You will lose out on the blessings. You'll lose out because you're not looking at the Word of God and the truth of God and what He has to say. The last thing on your thoughts, Isaiah, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 26. I'm going to, since I don't want to preach an hour, we're going to stop here in just a moment. But Isaiah chapter 26, I'm going to finish up this point. I'll leave the last one. Maybe I'll sneak it in tonight if we don't have as many popcorn preachers or something, or we'll finish it up at some point. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Isaiah 26, did I say Psalms? Isaiah 26, 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How about that? You think about the one that you're trusting in? Where's your trust in your thoughts? You start thinking about that. You know what you won't do? If you don't trust God, you don't think about him. So what does that mean? That means if you're trusting in everything else, right? The children of Israel throughout all of the minor prophets, you know what they did? They called upon the heathen Gentile nations to rescue them. They looked over to Egypt and they looked over to and they looked over and they look over and they look everywhere else, but they never looked to God because they didn't trust Him to go ahead and take care of them. 
You know what you do? You know what I do? We get in these spots and we go, i got to figure this out. And we don't ask God to do anything with it. We don't ask God to take care of it. We don't ask God to go ahead and fix it or go ahead and give us wisdom so we can fix it. We don't ask Him anything. Instead, you know what we do? We go, ah, i got to worry about this. Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace. And your mind wanders from Him and what He would want. You realize when you go ahead and you focus on Jesus Christ and how He did things and His technique, and you focus on the truth, the Word of God, and you start doing those things, you know who's responsible for you to be in peace? He is. If you trust that Jesus Christ has done everything right and you should do it His way, and that the Word of God is 100% right and you can do it that way and you know that it's going to be right and it's God's problem if it's not, it's a whole lot easier to go ahead and be in perfect peace. But we don't trust Him the way we're supposed to. We don't have the faith and the confidence that God is always right. We say it and we're really good at saying that God is always good and God is always right and God always has it under control and it's always on God and then we grab it and we go, I don't really trust Him so I'm going to have to fix this. And we lose all of our peace because we don't keep our minds stayed focused on Him. We lose out on that. And we want it, but we don't do it. We know it, but we don't do it. It is the constant of our life. It is the struggle for us to go, I can take my hands off it. God's got it, and I don't have to grab it again. Right. It is Uriah to a T. Right, leave it alone. Right? And he goes, okay. <laughs> goes back to grab. You're like, stop it. Mom said, don't touch it. Dad said, don't touch it. Stop touching it. And that's you with some of the things in your life. You look at the Lord and you go, hey, I want to. And, and you go, okay, yeah, God, I can give that to you. And you set it down and you take a step back. Now get this. You focus on it again. The eyes stop looking up at the one who's going to fix the problem, who's going to give you the answers, who's going to take care of it, who's going to lead and guide you into all truth. You, you get your eye, and you look back down. And immediately, where do you go? Right back to grab it. Say, so what's he trying to teach you? He's trying to teach you stop looking at those things. We recognize them, we give them to Him, we take a step back, and we look back up at the One who takes care of us. But the problem is that we don't keep our eyes focused where they're supposed to be, so our thoughts wander from where they're supposed to be. And at some point you'll hear that our affections wander from where they're supposed to be. You say, how do, I, how do I not lose that? I'm going to give you my conclusion before I give you the last point, in its entirety anyways. Turn over to Proverbs 23, and I'm done. Proverbs 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Verse number 26, this will apply all the way through. So think about the affections. I know I didn't cover that yet. Proverbs 23, verse 26, most of you could quote it. My son, give me thine heart. Look at the last part. And let thine eyes, what you look at, observe my ways, what you think on. See that? You realize if you would give God your heart, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, you'd go ahead and do that. You know what you'd get? You'd get in focus. He would go ahead and help you with your thoughts and what you look at. If you love him, you know what you'll do? You'll look at him. Husbands, you know exactly what I mean. The day she walked through the back doors and started down the aisle 
your eyes blew up as big as saucers, right? You were like, and you know you love her. The one look, you want to know what happens? When you stop loving, you start looking elsewhere. There's the problem. The problem with the church was they left their first love. They quit staying in love. They lost the affection. What will it be? What are you going to focus on? Too many times we focus on the problems. We focus on the here and now. We focus on all these things. And you know what we don't do? We don't lift up our eyes. The psalmist, lift up thine eyes and look onto the hills from whence cometh thy help. Thy help cometh from the Lord. We don't look up. And then we go, why am I still down in here? (laughs) Because you didn't look up to the only one who can take care of it all. Let's go ahead and stand. I'll give you all the things on that last one later. Maybe you're in here this morning and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I have no idea. But you and the Lord know exactly who you are if you're lost. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, God is a wonderful... I mentioned about Jesus Christ. He is forgiving. He is merciful. He is gracious. He wants to save to the uttermost all them that will call upon Him. If you would trust in Jesus Christ alone, the Bible makes it very plain that He'll forgive you of all of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and that He can give you eternal life as that gift if you would be willing to trust Him alone. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise from God. It's an eternal promise. And one day, one day, you'll spend eternity with Him if you trust Him. Christian, if you're in here, maybe you're just out of focus today. Maybe your mind's just been wandering. Maybe your thoughts are wandering. Maybe your eyes are wandering. Maybe your heart's wandering. And you got out of focus and you just need to refocus for a second. Isn't it amazing how sometimes you just take one step back and you refocus, you regroup, and you go, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do now. I got it. Just the simple reminders. None of this was stuff you never heard before. But it's just a great reminder to go, hey, God wants us to stay focused and get the job done. We are in the last days. There is nobody else that's going to do the job. It is us or no one. If you want Jesus Christ to get some more victories in your life, if you want Jesus Christ to get some victories in lost folks' lives, if you want victory overall, you know what you're going to need? To look and focus on the right things. Father, I do pray you would bless the invitation even now. Lord, you'd work in hearts. Thank you for those who have come. I pray that it was a help and a blessing today. And Lord, we pray if someone here doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they wouldn't. They wouldn't walk out of here without asking the question, what must I do to be saved? And let us show them out of the Bible how they can know. Lord, we pray you would get the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.